0: Welcome to the fan, to the aspiring pro wrestler, and everybody in between. This is the Manifest Wrestling Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Network. And guys, it's SmackDown review time, okay? On Friday, we had another great episode of SmackDown. SmackDown's been absolutely tremendous. It's turned itself into the A show and it's because of things like this. Now bear with me through this episode, ladies and gentlemen, because I am having allergy issues, okay? It's summertime, it's hot, it's dusty. It's it's just there's a lot going on, okay? So when I talk about this topic, I promise you I am not crying. My allergies are tremendously acting up, okay? My eyes are not sweating, okay? But I am a little bit nasally and, you know, a little bit, you know, there's stuff happening, okay? You hear that? There's stuff happening, okay? But bear with me, all right? Because for the first half of the show, we are going to get into Edge and his career. And could this be it? Because this was a great episode of SmackDown and it was all, all about Edge. But before we get into that, make sure you follow me. On Instagram, make sure you follow my Facebook page. Follow me everywhere that you can follow me, okay? The links will be in the bio. The links are in the information on the Spotify page and on the Apple Apple Podcast page. If you want that information, go follow. But I am your host, Alfonso McCree Jr. That's A-L-P-H-O-N-S-O-M-C-C-A-R-A-E-E jr and you can bet on me and apparently man for 25 years we've been able to bet on edge to deliver high quality entertainment i gotta talk about the first time i ever saw edge first time i ever saw edge not live but just on my television the first time i ever saw edge i believe was it was sometime in the 90s right uh or early 2000s and it was when he was still with christian uh with the The tag team, Edge and Christian, where they convinced us that they were brothers when they were not brothers, but they are best friends that are as close as brothers. But that was my first time seeing him. I'm a 28 year old man now with a wife and a child, and I grew up on Edge. I grew up on the old theme song. You know, you think you know me. You think you know me. You think you know me. I grew up on that one, okay? I grew up on, you know, Edge and Christian versus the Hardy Boys versus the Dudley Boys, which is ironic because I train under Devon Dudley now, but, but, enough about me, okay, this is about Edge, this is about Edge and everything that he has done in this industry for nearly three decades, I mean, a quarter of a century is a long time, and now I know he took nine years off for the neck injury, but you have to think, for him to come back in 2020 and still be relevant, after nine years away from professional wrestling, that is astounding. And, you know, I remember um man, we talk about the the fond days of like wrestling for me. I mean, I love today's wrestling as well, but like, you know, that feeling when you're a kid and you're watching wrestling and everything just feels so real to you. You know, I I literally grew up on John Cena versus Edge. You know, I grew up on the rated R superstar. Um, you know, the the Edge versus Matt Hardy feud edge and Lita you know everything everything under the sun involving edge was part of my childhood and you know I didn't really realize how much I'd miss him when he retired in 2011 but you know there was a time I thought I would never be able to see him live and that made me very sad that made me very upset because he's one of the greatest performers in the history of this industry and you know a lot of people forget about all the insane bumps and things that he's taken like think back to think back to wrestlemania 23 you know the money in the bank ladder match where he takes that huge spot from jeff hardy where he's laying on a ladder and jeff hardy literally just jumps off of another ladder onto him and you can literally see edge put his hand on his back like bro that sucked you know, and I, I legit, you know, at that time, again, I'm a kid at that time. I'm thinking Edge is probably paralyzed after that. Like, how do you come back from that? And then he was on Raw the next night. It, you, you can't make this stuff up when it comes to Edge, man. Like he's just, they've, they've called him everything under the book. You know, the radar superstar, the ultimate opportunist. You know, for him to have the very first Money in the Bank cash in, we see stuff like E. O. Sky cashing in her Money in the Bank contract at SummerSlam uh, a few weeks ago. But you got to think of who actually was the first to do it. And it was Edge cashing in on John Cena at New Year's Revolution. It was Edge, you know? He won the very first Money in the Bank ladder match at WrestleMania 21, and he became WWE champion. And, um, you know, I think back to his match at WrestleMania 22 with Mick Foley, you know, where he spears McFoley through a flaming table. And then, of course, that next year he comes and does that Money in the Bank ladder match in that spot with Jeff Hardy. And then the very next year, he's main he's main eventing WrestleMania with the Undertaker in one of Undertaker's best WrestleMania matches. You can ask anybody. It's one of the best WrestleMania matches ever. And one of Undertaker's best WrestleMania matches ever. And because of Edge. I mean, I don't know if this was really Edges, you know, doing. I don't know if he's the one we should give credit to, but since he was involved in the match, his match is the one that got Charles Robinson running down the ramp at 100 miles per hour all the way to the ring. Like, you know, Edges, you know, where where Edges good things tend to happen. And um, you know, then I think back to Mania 25. Um, and his match with Cena in the Big Show. And I think about how good that match was. And, you know, that's, that's not a match that people, like, usually think of when they think of the best Mania matches in history, but it was very serviceable. But then his match the very next month with John Cena, that last man standing match at Backlash, was outstanding, man. I mean, just... I can think of so many different matches that edge has had where I'm like, man, the stories that this man could tell, I think to his world heavyweight championship reign in 2010, where he made a, a product that really at the time was kind of losing a little bit of steam. It, To me, personally, again, I was a kid. I was in, like, ninth grade or tenth grade at the time. To me, I adore that era. But if I go back and watch it now, I don't like it uh, because it wasn't very well written. It wasn't booked very well. But at the time, Edge was making it watchable for me. Well, people like Edge, Cena, Randy Orton, all of them were making it watchable for me. But Edge was a huge part of that. You know, Edge's uh, Elimination Chamber match. That year uh, before WrestleMania 27, where it came down to him and Rey Mysterio, and he spears Rey Mysterio out of the air and pins him to retain his championship. Speaking of his actions in the Elimination Chamber, uh, I forget the year, but remember the Elimination Chamber where he lost his title in the opening contest of the night, comes back, attacks Kofi Kingston during Kofi's entrance into the Elimination Chamber, and takes his spot. You talk about the ultimate opportunist. Like, Edge was doing some stuff that, like, we've never even seen before. And we never even thought of. Because we're thinking to ourselves, this this can't be legal. This isn't, like, something that. But he was such a great heel. And he did such innovative stuff that you hadn't seen before. And that's, like, I think that's what makes him, you know, today one of the biggest babyfaces. Obviously, he's a legend. You know, but, like. Just think of the respect that he's garnered because of all the entertaining ways that he found to do regular stuff. Like, winning a championship, it's a regular thing. But when you give it to Edge, he's going to do it in a very extraordinary, innovative way. Now, the only person I can think of that's won a championship in maybe a more innovative way than Edge is Seth Rollins with the Heist of the Century, WrestleMania 31. But other than that, man, Edge is in a league of his own. You know, he cashed in Money in the Bank not once, but twice. And he did it on two of the greatest of all time. He wasn't doing it on scrubs. Or, you know, maybe not scrubs, but like, he wasn't doing it on just your average champion. His first Money in the Bank cash-in was on John Cena. Again, New Year's Revolution, after John Cena had been in that long elimination chamber match. By the way, the first of two cash-ins on John Cena after Elimination Chamber matches. The second one, of course, was Batista in 2010. Edge also cashed in on The Undertaker on a random episode of SmackDown, too, and that's what made it so exciting. It's like you never saw it coming. You know, most Money in the Bank cash-ins now happen on, you know, the premium live events. Edge didn't care about that. Edge was like, yeah, free TV, cool. I'm cashing in right now, right now. You know, Mark Henry had attacked Undertaker beforehand. Um, and Edge was like, oh, my chance. Here I go. Came out. Speared Undertaker. That didn't work. So he speared him again. Just like he did John Cena. Same thing. Speared him twice. Won the championship. And I really believe that, you know, Edge, Edge was very good at being despised. And he was good at a scathing promo, but he was just very good at at being disguised, I mean, despised, my apologies. You know, just really good at doing things that got under the skin of the audience. His whole shtick with Vicky Guerrero and (laughs) her being his girlfriend, which was the weirdest, most... uh, Like, you went from Lita to Vicky Guerrero, and you know what? Everybody just suspended their disbelief for it because we knew... Edge's character was doing it for the power. You know what I mean? And so we were able to suspend our disbelief and like just really buy into everything that was being sold. And his whole thing with the Edgeheads, you know, with Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins, was awesome. It really was. It was awesome. Uh, his rivalry with John Cena remains one of the greatest r- rivalries in WWE history. And... I really believe it's because John Cena was in the midst of his most polarizing era, right? Where people were really, really starting to boo this man. People were really starting to decide, I don't like John Cena. And I remember watching the Rivalries documentary of John Cena versus Edge. And Edge had this uh, this interview, the soundbite in there. He was like, he understood what was happening, right, where people were booing John Cena and cheering him because they wanted John Cena to lose the championship because they were tired of him. He took that on as a personal challenge and said, man, if I can get them to boo me through this, then I'm really doing my job. He didn't want to be cheered by the audience. He wanted to be booed. He was the bad guy. And you know what? Edge found a way to do it. He did. He found a way to do it. And uh, I just think that's so, like, remarkable, man. Like, and it's it's bittersweet because, you know, like I said, I'm 28 now. And I've been watching wrestling since I was four. And honestly, it just kind of sucks, like, getting older and watching the guys that you grew up with start to get old and retire and get the gray hairs and stuff. It's, it's really sad. It's really depressing. But that's why I try to appreciate the guys that, We have now. I try to appreciate a Roman Reigns. I try to appreciate a Seth Rollins. I try to appreciate the Usos. Because one day they're going to retire. One day they're not going to be able to do this anymore. Or they're going to go off to Hollywood. Or they're just going to go off into retirement and just live a quiet life. And they're not going to be performing in front of us anymore. And, um, you know, that it's unfortunate it's sad man i mean even look at look at vince mcmahon vince mcmahon is getting older like I, I I gotta be real if you don't think if you don't think death is coming within the next 15 20 years for that man i don't know what to tell you i mean unless this man's got some crazy money that he can just buy himself you know some type of machine to freeze himself i don't know but like he's getting up there in age we're human beings things happen we We live and we die. And we get older. And our bodies can't do what they used to do as we continue to get older. And, you know, you look at all these guys who used to wrestle every single night. And now they're either part-timers or they're just not there at all anymore. And uh, that's another reason I have such a deep appreciation for the business itself. Because... You know, it's, this business gives so much to us as fans, to us as performers. Now, yes, it taketh away as well, but it really gives us so much, man. Like, through all the hard times that I've had in life, I've always had wrestling to watch. That was the consistent thing in my life, was wrestling. Every week. Every week I knew it was coming on. You now there is no offseason. You know, people who only love football, man, they have long summers, man. Long summers, long springs and summers. But us as wrestling fans, we don't have that problem. Our product is available year round. 365 every month, every week. And, you know, I I just I really have an appreciation for it. So I don't know if Edge will ever hear this podcast. I don't know. But I do want to say Thank you edge for everything for being there for me you don't even know me but you were there for me throughout my childhood giving me entertainment putting your body on the line for my entertainment telling stories that connected with me for my entertainment being in all of my favorite video games you know being in my toy box um, I just have such... A deep love and appreciation for you, and I'm glad that I got to see you live, not once but twice. I got to see you wrestle at WrestleMania 37, night two. And I got to see you uh, when you came to the Amway Center in the lead up to Elimination Chamber this past year, 2023. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Uh, This business is just a fantastic thing that honestly we're privileged to be able to partake in and some of us to be able to make money from or perform in. And I gotta say, man, people like Edge, you truly set the bar so high every single time. And um I don't know. I I just I just have a a deep appreciation. I don't want to get emotional about it, but you know, just watching Watching Edge get older and now, you know, retirement is imminent. Even if even if this match with Sheamus on SmackDown on Friday wasn't his final match, it's imminent, man. You know, it's it's inevitable that at some point it's gonna be it. And um, you know, I, I just uh again just such a deep appreciation for the sacrifices that you've made the, honestly, the example that you've set of personal redemption. You know, obviously, we all know about the situation with Lita and Matt Hardy and, you know, to to, to show that you can learn from mistakes like that and, you know, make something good out of it is honestly really inspiring to me. Um, I'm good, glad to see that all... Three parties are doing so well now. Um, and that that's due to the fact that, you know, growth and positivity was chosen. That, that was a choice that had to be made. And that's the choice that was made. And uh, I just think, um, you know, like John Cena said, you know, Edge, you're such a giving person. And I don't know you personally, but I can tell that you're a giving person because you've given me so much just through your performances, just through your willingness to be on the road over three hundred days a year. Like my appreciation knows absolutely no ends in that regard. I just, you know, I can't I can't say thank you enough times. So I'll just let it go on that one. But uh but yeah, that's um that's one career I'm very, very sad to see and uh, you know, bittersweet. Happy for him and his retirement. More time with his family, but and really wish, uh really wish we didn't get older sometimes. Really do. It's really uh yeah. Oh well, with that, we will take our first break and our only break, and when we come back, it's time for that new segment that debuted this past week, and it's called The Three Count. Where we will recap three important things from this week's episode of Friday Night SmackDown. Okay, so don't go anywhere. We will be right back on the Manifest Wrestling Podcast. Welcome back to the Manifest Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Alfonso McCree Jr. That's A L P H O N. S-O-M-C-C-A-R-A-E-E Jr. And you can bet on me and you can bet on the Believe Network bringing you this podcast at least twice a week. You guys already know what it is. So let's do this. It's time for the three count. The leg. Did it. Did All right, for count one. We gotta keep talking about LA Knight. I love LA Knight. I can't get enough of LA Knight. And apparently, neither can these live crowds. He got another huge pop here tonight. I don't care about anything that happened afterwards. Uh, I mean, I care, but I don't want to talk about that. I just want to talk about the Attitude Era kind of pops this man is getting. If you look back in the Attitude Era, you watch back some old stuff, you'll see people rise to their feet when their favorite star came out. LA Knight is getting that type of thing, man. And I think it's really beautiful to see because I haven't seen a lot of guys get that. Like, of course, the main event guys get it. But I'm talking strictly mid card. L.A. Knight is right now a mid carter and he's still getting main event level pops. You used to see that back in the day, like when people like the New Age Outlaws would come out, people rise to their feet. You know what I mean? Like it's it's really special to see that kind of thing. Right now, to see a act resonating so well in the midcard that it is literally popping the crowd, I love to see it. I'm very happy about it and I want it to continue. Let's get to count number two. I just gotta ask, what's going on with LWO, man? Now, there's a lot of stables in WWE right now, and all of them seem to be planting some seeds of like doubt and disbandment. All right, we have the Judgment Day with their obvious problems between Finn Balor and Damian Priest. We have the Bloodline where nobody can seem to get along. And now we have the LWO where is Santos Escobar really happy for Rey Mysterio or is jealousy going to seep in eventually? Now, I think it's weird to break up or cause friction within the LWO this quickly because they haven't really accomplished anything as a faction yet. Of course, they helped Bad Bunny beat Damian Priest at Backlash, but that's about it. You know, as far as I'm concerned, there really hasn't been anything of significant note accomplished so far. And I think it's way too early to start planting seeds of the eventual breakup. But again, I'm not creative, so I'm just gonna let it happen and watch the story unfold. But that's just my two cents. I think it's a little bit weird. I just have to be completely honest. So what do you guys think is going on with the LWO? Because I most certainly do not know. Okay? I don't know. And count number three. Man, the bloodline took a week off of TV. Nobody was there. Solo wasn't there. Jay obviously wasn't there because he, quote, unquote, quit WWE. Roman Reigns wasn't there. And Jimmy Uso wasn't there. The only one that was there was Jerry Heller. I, I mean, Paul Heyman. But he did have a backstage interview with Kayla Braxton, who I love their little dynamic. They have, like, that little petty rivalry going on, and I think it's beautiful, and it's hilarious, and it's great television. But in the middle of the interview, Paul Heyman got a call from an unknown source, and that unknown source says Jimmy Uso will be on SmackDown live next week. And what will that lead to? I have no idea. What what kind of response is he going to have from getting absolutely decked with that super kick from Jey Uso? How's he going to feel about it? You know, obviously, I think uh, they're going to eventually start building towards a match between Jimmy and Jey Uso. They even said that they want that to happen at WrestleMania. They had that interview with uh, Ariel Hawani or how, however you pronounce his name. I apologize if I got that wrong. But they had that interview with him, and they said, hey, our dream WrestleMania match will be against each other. And you know what? I'm down for that. I think that would be cool. But how do you build that story? Obviously, they just planted the seed with his betrayal uh, of Jay at SummerSlam. But, man, we're still, what? It's August. So that means we're September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April. Eight months away? How are you going to build this story for eight months? I don't know. But they have been doing this bloodline thing for three years. So I'm just saying, I think they can pull it off. I'm just saying. I do think they can pull it off. Okay? Where does it go? I I don't know. When is Solo going to finally turn on Roman? I don't know. Are we ever going to get the fatal four-way match that I want for the Universal Championship between roman solo jimmy and jay i don't know but i'm really excited about the potential ways that this could go now of course i ranted a little bit about the tribal combat how a little bit of it didn't make sense to me because i thought there was supposed to be no interference to begin with and a whole bunch of other stuff and how i wanted jay to win and i was upset about it but overall man the bloodline story has been a hit every single time it's come on so hey i'm just gonna sit back and trust the process i think paul hammond is still very hands-on with it and if that's the case that is a great thing for everybody involved including me the fan and including you the fan and the aspiring pro wrestler who keeps tuning in to the manifest wrestling podcast thank you guys once again for tuning in this week thank you again edge for everything that you have done for this industry for everything you have done for me to entertain me to be on my television every week to be in my video games in my toy chest thank you edge from the bottom of my heart thank you adam copeland you are just a beautiful human being who has entertained me since i was I think, nine years old the first time i saw you thank you so much for everything I will never forget your impact that you've made on this business and how you have helped me in my pro wrestling journey as well. When it comes to character work, promo work, all of that stuff, you have been an influence on me for. So thank you so much. I hope I get an opportunity maybe to tell you this to your face one day. I will manifest right now because that's what this, that's what this podcast is all about, right? You got to see the 1111 on the logo. One day I will tell Edge to his face, Thank you, and this is how you have inspired me to go far in this industry. But for now, I've been Alfonso McCree Jr. That is A L P H O N S e R A E E Jr. And I want to thank you guys for continuing to support the Manifest Wrestling Podcast. We have listeners in the United States, in Germany, and in Bosnia. How about that? That is great. That is amazing. Thank you all for listening to this podcast. I really, really appreciate it. I love you guys. I want you guys to stay safe this weekend, especially my listeners out in Los Angeles. Please stay safe with that hurricane coming through. Uh, Get everything that you need. Fill up your gas tanks. Get your sandbags. Take it very seriously. Charge everything that you have. And please... Please stay indoors. Don't go to the beach. Please, please stop being an extreme sportsman. We don't need that. Just be safe. Relax. And it it will pass. This too will pass. All right? Now, be safe and stay blessed. I will see you guys in the next episode.